You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Hallelujah to your name, Most High, our Father and our God, ruler of the earth, maker of the ends of the heavens. We worship you. We return praise to you. We didn't make ourselves. You made us. And you made us with a clear intent and purpose in your heart. We salute you because you have given us the privilege of sonship. So that with you we can reign upon the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray as we go into your word today. That you will open our eyes and teach us further. Dear Rabbi, teach us. You are the only one who truly knows the word. Lord, show us your word. Let our hearts be quickened by reason of what you will reveal to us. Give us strength and courage to follow you when those requirements are hard. Blessed be your holy name, dear Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. And I especially welcome you back to the final week, the final new one service in the month of May. In this month, if you've been with us uh, before today, you discover that um, we have been focusing on the series called As It Is in Heaven. As It Is in Heaven. And today we conclude that series with a topic, the canopies of dominion. Canopies of dominion. If you have observed in the weeks that we have done before now, we have basically focused on the subject of dominion as we took on the topic as it is in heaven. But the truth of the matter is that it's not only dominion that is a subject matter when we think of those things that are in heaven that should be on earth. But for the moment, this is what time will permit us and um, God has not led us to go into the other areas of expressions of as it is in heaven beyond dominion for this season. So we'll wait on the Lord. If he gives us release at another time, we will take another thing that is in heaven and extract under the guidance of his spirit. So for now, we are just going to conclude this series with this topic, the canopies of dominion. For those of us, again, who have been participating and those who have not been participating, uh, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to, to join us. New Wine Service holds 9 a.m. every Saturday. It holds on, on, online, so it's not um, limited by physical um, location. You can join us. It's on this platform. And all our messages are available on Anchor or Spotify, and you can play them uh, via uh, the web directly. I, I'm not saying this because we are involved. No, I'm saying this because we get blessed. And there are, there are testimonies. Sometimes I go back myself and go listen. I still get blessed. So I'm encouraging you to, to not despise the word. Um, sometimes we despise the word because um, we despise people. Do not cheat yourself. The word of God is valid. The word of God is viable. The word of God is powerful. If your interest is in growing as a believer, if your interest is in fulfilling your potential as a Christian, I recommend that you go there, pick some of the messages, listen, and the Lord will bless you as you do so. I said that to backtrack on some of the things we have said earlier in this month where we started to look at dominion we looked first at the supremacy of god's dominion overall all people all places all events all matter all elements over anything seen and unseen god has dominion over them and we took our time to to expatiate on this and we went on to look at the shared dominion of man that it's not only god that has dominion man can also share dominion with, with the Lord. And there are pathways for sharing that dominion. And we, we, we took um, a, a very strong position on that from the scriptures last week. Also last week, we, we talked about the seven-dimensional expressions of dominion. And we, we taught this from the book of Revelations chapter 5, verse 12. Please read it. Read it. If you are a Christian, this list, you must know it. This is the KPI. This is, um, if we see these seven things in your life, then we will know that you are Christ-like. To some extent, we will see different dimensions of it. It doesn't mean that if one is missing, you are not Christ-like. No, it just means that you have not grown in that area. 
But as you come to the family of Christ, you must begin to see glimpses of these seven elements of power, of riches, of wisdom, of strength, of honor, of glory, and the blessing. You must begin to see expressions of them in, in, in some measure, in some measure. And as you begin to, to move from baby level to the level of young men or sons, and as you go to elder level, these things must show in your life. They must show. But that's not our focus today. We are moving on from that. Our focus today will be to examine the corner pieces in the foundation of a life of mastery, conquest, and prominence. They want to live a life of dominion. That life is characterized by these three things. We said that last week. Mastery, conquest, and prominence. If that is what you want to do, today our focus is to look at those things in the foundation of that kind of life. The corner pieces, you know when you want to make a building, you want to um, take possession of your landed property, you want to make a fence, so you go make some corner pieces, even though not everything is ready, even though not all assets are in place, even though not all resources are available, but at least you are marking the edges of your property to say, on this shall I build my fence. The same thing with foundation. Even though not everything is ready, but you begin to mark the ground and say, from here to here will be the edges of the building. This will be the four corners of this house. This is what we want to do. We're going to consider four big issues that we must keep in mind if you want to live a life of dominion. These are the corner pieces of dominion. Number one is guiding principles. Having guiding principles please write it down you will need this message in the future please make a note please when this message becomes available on spotify or anchor please go and pick it please save the link it will help you in the future i know what i'm saying some of the things i teach today some of the things we have the privilege of knowing today i wish i knew them 20 years ago i wish i knew them 30 years ago you have an opportunity to know them today and to begin to do them today Number one thing you must put in the corner piece of your life if you want to live a life of dominion in Christ is guiding principles. You know, like we have always done in this um, New Wine teachings, we do not take arbitrary examples. No, we go back to the Bible. We pick examples of what God did, what Jesus did, what the apostles did, what the early church leaders did. To form doctrine, to form pattern, to form how we should do things. That way, if we replicate the patterns we see, then we can produce the results that are documented. So, we're going to be looking at this uh, subject from that same prism. So, on the subject of having guiding principles, let's look at God. Does God have guiding principles? Oh, yes, he does. Much as God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, He confines Himself to a set of guiding principles throughout His dealings with mankind. Read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will see patterns. Patterns of the principles of God. The core things that guide what He does, what He says, how He does it. Irrespective of dispensations, there are things that are movable. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms 89. I'm going to read verse 14. I'll read a couple of scriptures and I'll point out some things to you so that you'll see what we're t- talking about. Psalm 89 verse 14. What does the Bible say? The Bible says righteousness one, justice or um, in some versions you see judgments at the foundation of your throne mercy and truth three and four mercy and truth they go before your face so here we see justice we see righteousness we see mercy we see truth let's go to exodus exodus chapter 34 exodus chapter 34 i'm going to read verses three verses six and seven the bible says and the Lord passed before him, him here is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, 
merciful and gracious you know we saw mercy before so we are adding another quality here now it says gracious grace long suffering another one abounding in goodness goodness another one truth in goodness and in truth but it goes further it doesn't stop there it says keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that is forgiveness is also one of his core principles visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation that is justice justice in accordance to his justice system if you don't like it create your own psalm 25 i'm going to read verses 6 and 7 also psalms 25 can you begin to see patterns of certain attributes that are repeated about god here psalm 25 verses 6 and 7 says remember O lord your tender mercies. This is the third time we are seeing mercy. This is the third scripture we are reading. This is the third time we are seeing mercy. And loving kindness. This is the second time we are seeing loving kindness. He said, for they are of old. Mm, that is, they did not start now. These behaviors are foundational to you. These attributes are foundational to you. I'll take the next one. Psalm 86. Psalm 86 verse 15. Do you know why we, we usually quote a lot of scriptures when we're teaching? It's just so your foundation will not be on what a pastor is saying. What I am saying. No, but based on what the scriptures say. And in the amount of two or three witnesses, you will establish every matter. Which one is the truth? Which one is false? Psalm 86 verse 15. It says, but you, O Lord, are full of compassion. Again, we are seeing compassion. And gracious. Again, we are seeing graciousness. Long-suffering. We are seeing long-suffering again. Abundant in mercy and truth again. What is this trying to, to tell us? It's showing a consistency in the pattern of how God deals. All through the ages. Consistency. So there are certain guiding principles that God has. That drives how he relates with man. How he deals with man. Starting from how he dealt with Adam and Eve. You will see in the in the expression of God, you will see love. Out of love, he chased them out of the place. Because with all the causes that have entered their head, if they ate the, the tree of life, if they ate of that fruit, they will live for life under that cross. So he had to get them out of the place. Justice, he said, if you break my law, you will die. They had to die spiritually. That's justice. But mercy, he said, hey, even though this man is naked, and he's trying to cover his nakedness is trying to shield it with leaves. No, let me by mercy provide for him skin to cover it. Mercy, and of course, love the greatest of them all. He sent Jesus back to redeem that same man from his fallen state and restore him to factory settings. We see all these things playing out in the things of God, and that's why we trust Him. That's why we trust God. We know God. And what he will do. Why? Because his guiding principles, he doesn't change them. God is not a yo-yo God. He doesn't change and move with season or with fashion or a trend or a challenge. God is not moved by a challenge. Oh, this is what everybody is doing now. Let me go and do it. No, God is not like that. God is anchored. There are certain things he will not move for you. He will not move for me. He will not move for anybody. He didn't move it for Jesus. He will not move it for us. Guiding principles. Any man who wants to go far, who wants to live a life of dominion, must of a necessity have a list of principles by which their lives are guided. The compass through which they navigate the waters of life. We trust God because his, his principles are clear and we know them. And we know that we can bank on the consistency of his character. So do you want to end the trust of others? Do you want to make consistent decisions? You know, when we talk of trust, you think we're just talking about something spiritual. Yes, it is spiritual, but it's, it's also physical. If it, people don't trust you at your place of work, you're not going to go far. If you are a business person, people don't trust you, you're not going to go far. You are in ministry, people can't trust you, you will not go far. Whatever your vocation, as a father, as a mother, as a child, as a friend, as a wife, as a husband, without trust, you can't go far. But why do people trust you? They trust you because they know that you are not someone who does whatever. You are a person anchored on principles. 
Not on feelings. If you don't have what you call a list of your own guiding principles, I give you assignments. After this message, sit down. Write it. My name is Susu. What are the things that guide my life? If you wake me up, I know the things that guide my life. I know the things that guide my decision. It's been guiding my decision for a long, 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 long time. I know it. I know mine. You must know yours. Do you want to live a life of dominion? What is that list of four, five things that guide the decisions we make? That guide the, the things you get yourself involved in? That guide the things you will never be involved in? That guide how you will treat people? That guide how, how you will invest? That guide how, how you, you, you will carry out a project? That guide how you will do business? That guide how you will relate in friendship? What are those things? Without that in the corner piece of the foundation of your life, having dominion will continue to be a wish and a mirage. I move to the second point. The second thing in the corner piece of the life founded and capable of producing dominion, the second thing is thoughtfulness. What did I call it? Thoughtfulness. The first one is guiding principles. The second one is called thoughtfulness. Again, who do we look to? We look to God. To see a pattern. Do we see a pattern of thoughtfulness in God? Oh yes, we do. God anticipates and prepares ahead. Nothing shocks God. God is not scratching his head when something happens. So what are we going to do now? No, he already knows what to do. He already knows what to do. He has put a plan in place concerning what to do. While we are scampering and worried and running up and down, running from pillar to post, and asking everyone and everything, checking Google and asking whatever and whoever. God already has something figured out. He already has it installed. It's in place. It's just for you to launch the app. It's already there. It's installed. This is how God works. He has put a lot of thoughts into the things he does. Before he does them. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Let me read a couple of verses for you. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 28. See what the Bible says. The Bible says, And we know... (laughs) I love reading this scripture. He said there are many things in life we may not know. But there are some things we know. And this is one of them. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Why? Why does it work together for good for us? Just because we love God is more than that. He said, To those who are called according to his purpose. Uh Is that enough? Is that why everything should work for us? Just because we are Christians? Just because we follow God? No, the answer is in the next verse. In verse 29. He said, the reason things work together for our good, is not only because we love God, or that we are called according to his purpose. He explains the reason in verse 29. He said, why? For whom he foreknew, foreknew, that is, he knew us before. Foreknew. Huh? So he didn't just know us now. He didn't just call us as Christians. No, he did it a long time ago. He said, for those he foreknew, he predestined. Pre means beforehand. Huh? Before an event. So he predestined to be conformed to, be, to the image of his son. That is, <laughs> he knew us before. Even before we knew ourselves. Even before we came to this planet. He knew us. And he didn't just know us. He created a destination for us before, that is predestined us, before we landed here. He created a place for us to go. The place of a conformity to the image of his son. So we are not just created in the image and likeness of God as per Genesis 1.26. He also, ahead of time, gave us a platform to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30 says, Moreover, whom he predestined, that is because he has already set our destination, this also he called. It was because he had predestined us. Then he now called us to be Christians. Then whom he called, because he has called us, then he also justified. So we have justification. We are justified because he has called us. But he called us because he has for, uh, predestined us. We were predestined because we were known before and and said because all that has happened, then then we have access to glory. Then he has glorified us. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. God had arranged all of this before we came here. That takes thoughtfulness. We didn't just fall 
The calendar did not just change when Jesus came to be born. And we moved from BC to AD. No. Everything was planned long, long, long time ago. If you don't believe, let me show you another one. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. I read verse 3 to 5. Bible, in fact, 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed you see, when, I think I, I, I like this language called English. So because it, it gives us context. It says, who has blessed, not we blessed. <laughs> he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. This thing has happened. Take Thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. In Genesis 1.26, when God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the cattle, over the fish, over the birds of the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps upon the earth. God had already made those creeping things, those birds that fly in the air, those fishes that swim in the water, every animal that walks on the earth, before he made the man, thoughtfulness. What would the man have dominion over if those things do not already exist? So he had to create them first. Before he created the man last. Do you understand? God doesn't do things haphazardly. No. He thinks about them. He plans for them. He visualizes them. He envisions them and sequences them. That's what God does. Not accidental. Not in shock. So if we want to live in the kind of realm of dominion where God lives of a necessity thoughtfulness must be the foundation of our lives just like having guiding principles thoughtfulness must be there many people in life they fail to have dominion that is they can't walk in mastery they can't walk in prominence they can't walk in conquest why their lives are characterized by doing things without thinking they speak without thinking they act without thinking they do everything they do in life. And afterwards, they now start thinking. And start worrying. Oh, I die. No, 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 no. You can't do things like that. Thoughtfulness is at the corner piece of the foundation of a life of dominion. You just see a fine sister. She's looking well. Her makeup is good. Oh, this bone straight hair. Everything is looking straight. And like they say, you fell in love at first sight. <laughs> Oh, Father, help my life. You fell in love without knowing the assets and liabilities of what you are falling in love with. Without thoughts. You were just moved on the spot. Somebody introduced you and that's it. Pam. Have you sat down to think about it? What am I about to enter into? In fact, I know people who proposed without thinking. They, they were just trying. Maybe she will say yes. So. Maybe she will say, and thank God for the crowd. Say yes. Say yes. And she, she too, she, without thinking, said yes. And they enter today, they are breaking each other's heads. You can't do things thoughtlessly. You can't. That's not how to live in dominion. It's not possible. You want to start a venture. You want to build a house. You want to apply for a job. You want to go to a new role. You want to chase an opportunity. You want to make a career switch. You want to relocate. You want to give birth. Do you know people give birth without planning? They are not thinking of it. It just happened. Ha! So how will school fees happen? School fees will not just happen. Mm-mm. Buying diapers will not just happen. Buying formula for the baby will not just happen. Buying clothes and babies, they know how to outgrow things very quickly. It will not just happen. Are you taking thoughts? Or you are just populating the earth. You want to create a football team. Are you taking thoughts? Are you planning? What quality of life do I want to give my children? What quality of life do I want us to have? Are you taking thoughts? Is it guiding the decisions you are making? Everybody is going to that school. You said you want to go. Are you thinking about why they are going? Are you thinking if it's for you or not? Are you processing it? Somebody will say, oh, uh, we are Christians. We, we, we should not be dwelling in this era and in this realm of just thinking about this. No, God thinks. Are you more godly than God? Thoughtfulness must be a primary driver in your life. It must be at the corner piece of your life if you want 
indeed to live a life of dominion. You cannot do things anyhow. Rash talk and deeds, they have no place in the life of those who work in dominion. They are alien to those who work in dominion. Go and sit around great men. Sit around influential people. They are people who sit down and think strategically. They are not reactive people. They are proactive people. They have looked at the scenarios. They have analyzed the options. They have taken a position and they have provided resources to, to fund the direction where they are going. They don't do things anyhow. No. Look, look at those who are campaigning today. Those who are trying to get political offices. Those who are scheming and scamming and warming their ways up to become candidates of political parties. Don't you think they've thought about many things? Oh, you think they just dropped 100 million to buy from? No, they've thought about something. You may not know. It may not be in public domain. Oh, and it will be so bad if many of them never thought of it because they're going to burn their fingers. They're going to lose their money. Thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. Any man you see producing consistent results of mercy, of, of prominence, of conquest, that person thinks before they do what they do. They think before they say what they say. They think before they go to where they go. They think before they choose to refrain from what they refrain from. It is not accidental. It is not rash. It is not a spur of the moment thing. Thoughts go behind it. And Christians, we must learn to develop the wisdom dimension of dominion. We mentioned that as part of the seven D's of dominion, the seven dimensional expressions of dominion, wisdom is part of them. Indeed, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. In all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19. God himself, he deployed wisdom and understanding in how he founded the heavens and the earth. And you don't want to do it. You just want to start something. No, it doesn't work like that. You must think of it. Ruminate on it. Find wisdom. Understand the matter before you proceed. Understand. Before you commit. Understand. Before you put something on the line. Understand. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3. It says, because God did that in Proverbs 3.19, we must do that. He said, a house is built by wisdom. Established by understanding. We cannot run away from this corner piece called thoughtfulness. If you want indeed to live a life of dominion. We've taken two. But that's not all. We take the third one. The third one is called order. O-R-D-E-R. Order. Kai. This one for me is a very painful one. You know, back, back in school, in sciences, there was something they taught us called entropy. He said it's the state of degree of disorderness of a system. Some of us, our entropy is out of the roof. Our lives are so scattered without pattern, without direction, without order. Kai! And you want to produce dominion? Kai! It's a dream. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Any person, any family, any organization, be it company, be it church, be it school, whatever. In fact, any nation that lacks order, they can never work in dominion. Please quote me. They can never work in dominion. Oh, look at our country. Where there is lawlessness, there is disorderliness everywhere. What else do you expect to produce? Excellence? Dominion? No way. It cannot work like that. Until we change our ways. Until we understand this pillar. Order. Order. (laughs) A life without order is a life going nowhere significant. He will just be rolling. Oh, he can be turning on his own. He's going nowhere. A life without order? How do you channel resources? How do you optimize your schedule? How do you optimize your life without order? How do you choose what you can and cannot do? Without order? <laughs> Forget it. How do you prioritize your, your investment? How do you prioritize your associations, your relationships? How do you do it without order? It can't work. The only thing that works... In the absence of order is the result called chaos. Chaos is a product of disorderliness. Lord, help us today. Let me show you something. Just as we've been doing. Is there order in heaven? As it is in heaven? Let's go to Revelation chapter 4. There are just too many scriptures to read. But I'll just pick this one. 
and see if we can take one, one more on this subject. Revelation chapter 4. If you read with me from verse 2. Let's go. Bible says, Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. Throne set in heaven. Heaven. So, we want to see as it is in heaven. Our brother, Apostle John, was caught up in the spirit on the day of the Lord. And the Bible says, he saw a throne set in heaven. He said, and one sat on the throne, not two. <laughs> one. One sat on the throne. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus Christ. In some families, it's not one that is sitting on the throne. It's two. You are going to have chaos. If that's how you want to run it, you are going to have chaos. Look through scriptures. Look through scriptures. You will see other everywhere. Go to Colossians chapter 3. You will see in relationships, there is governance. There's a governance structure. Somebody, not two people, somebody is at the top. Is at the top of that governance structure. Why? It's for order. Two people cannot drive a vehicle. At least we, based on today's technology. At the same time. Maybe in the future they will change the technology and it will be possible. But I'm using that example just so that you will explain what can happen when we have division, two vision, two leaders. One is leading this way, one is leading this way. You will not be able to make progress that way. Husband and wife struggling. Who is the head? Who is the head? Who is not the head? Who is the neck? Who is the leg? He said, I saw one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sat your stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. In appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Uh-huh. Picture it now. So there's one throne in the middle. Then round about that one throne. There are 24 thrones. You see? <laughs> this is another thing. The thrones were not scattered. He said the, thro- the thrones, the 24 thrones, they were arranged around the throne. Not one person in Suleja, the other one in Nasarawa. No, arranged around the throne. In God's presence, there is order. The Bible says, let all things be done decently and order. There must be order in God's presence. They were arranged around the throne. And they were clothed in white robes. Somebody will say, oh, why is Pastor Jenkins just stressing this issue? No. There is a reason. Anything you see in scripture, there is a reason. They say they were clothed in white robes. It's not that some people wore white, some people wore blue, some people wore red, some people wore rainbow color. No. They were clothed in white robes. Uniformity. Order. They were pre-informed. They knew what attire was suitable. What attire was chosen. And that's why you see when we, we come to church. We insist on a dress code. It's from scriptures. It's not adversary. We insist on this because it speaks of order as it is in heaven. So the people have been told on such so day we will wear this. And at our headquarters church last Sunday, we did a jeans Sunday. So the dress code is jeans for the day. At some other time, we have done a Jesse Sunday before a new wine service. We've done a Jesse Sunday. So the dress code is Jesse. It's is talking about order that is where people who are organized order everybody wants white robes and they add crowns of gold on their head not some gold some bronze some silver Mm-mm. everybody add crown of gold order and from the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices seven lambs of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and around the throne, were four living creatures full of eyes in front and the back. The four, you know, just keep on going. Keep on going. You will see order. Keep reading this chapter. You will see order every step of the way. Everyone is not a disorderly place. Mm-mm. Your life cannot be disorderly. Your family cannot be disorderly. The organization that you had, where you have leadership, abilities, or position, it cannot be in disorder. Our nation cannot be in disorder. And we expect 
that it will be for us as it is in heaven. Forget it. First Kings chapter 10. Talking about a man who at some point in his life actually worked in the seven dimensional expressions of dominion. The man King Solomon. King Solomon, yes. At some point in his life, this man was a star. He worked in the seven dimensions of dominion. Yes. I don't have time to, to explain that. Maybe God will give us another opportunity. In fact, I pray that God will give us to study this man. To study the life of King Solomon. <laughs> huh? To study his wealth. To study how he moved with women. To study his wisdom. To study his fame, his riches, to study his wise words, his wise sayings. I, I, I pray God will give us an opportunity to do that series one day. It's not for today. But permit me to just drop that here. First uh, Kings chapter 10. If you read from verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the sitting of his servants. Why is sitting of his servants important? Order. <laughs> the servants will not sit anyhow. They are the seat allocation. And that's why, you know, I, I, and I salute and respect my father in the Lord, Reverend Yomika Salib, with utmost respect. When you, you are doing something with him, you will understand what this word is. Order. You want to do a program, we say... I want to see the sitting arrangement. Who is sitting on this seat? Who is sitting on the next seat? How did you allocate the sitting? When we are doing concerts, we are doing big events. This bishop is coming. Where will he sit? Order. How many people is he coming with? Where will they sit? Order. So, the queen said she observed the way the servants, the, the way the servants of, queen, uh, of King Solomon, how they sat the service of the waiters and their apparel, apparel meaning clothes, that is their dress code, their uniform. Again, we know we saw that in Revelation. Now we are seeing it in the life of Solomon. A man who worked in that kind of dominion at some point in his life. So it says, the arrangement of the seats. You remember the 24 elders' seats? It said the arrangement of the seats, the clothing, the apparel, the uniform of the servants. But that's not all. It says, bearers and the entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no spirit in her. <laughs> that is, the Bible says when she saw the procession, the pathway, how people will file up. No, one person after the other. Not everybody just go and crowd the place. See how they will file up. In, in one strand. He said by the time she saw it, she choked. There was no more breath in her. Order. Order. If you are going to walk in the life of dominion, you cannot but keep this one too. This third cornerstone, you cannot but keep it in the corner piece of the foundation of your life. And you must institutionalize other systems and structures that will sustain consistent outcomes of dominion, express a mastery in prominence and in conquest. Order must be there. You cannot throw it out. I have read this Bible. I have seen order every step of the way where dominion was mentioned. Order was involved. Pray that God will set your life in order. Until you learn to put yourself together, gather your, your strength, gather your resources, and put it in order. And arrange them in sequence. You will be wasting time, wasting resources. And you know, one thing that has dawned on me lately is that I must make better use of time. I'm telling you, some of these things I'm saying now, if I knew them before, I would have used my time better. Why? Because you are disorganized. You will not optimize your options. You think you will live here forever in this physical body? No. Our time on earth is limited. So you, that impact you want to make, that purpose you want to chase, how do you chase it successfully without first putting order and structure to your life? Without setting up a system that helps you to consistently produce outcomes that are predictable and replicable. How do you want to do it? In this disorderly way? The day you feel like you do this, the day you don't feel like you don't do it, uh-uh, it will not produce consistent results. No way. It's not possible. 
I move to the fourth and last corner piece that I want to share today. And hopefully we can have a minute or two to pray. The last one I want to share today is excellence. So the first one is guiding principles. The second one is thoughtfulness. The third one is order. This fourth one is excellence. Excellence must be and must be seen. <laughs> don't say I'm, I'm excellent. It's just that people don't see it. it. You are not excellent until we can see it. Excellence is not a secret to be hidden. It's something that you cannot deny. That nobody can deny. Why? It stands out. Every other person is in this direction. Excellence puts you in the other direction. It sets you apart. It puts you at a pedestal. It puts you in a different class than others. Excellence. If you are going to live a life of dominion, if you are really going to walk in seven-dimensional dominion, excellence must be in the corner piece of the foundation of your life. I don't care what you do. You are a student. You are a mother. You are a father. You are a staff. You are a manager. You are a CEO. You are a pastor. You are a writer. You are a president. You are a governor. Whatever it is, you want to live a life of dominion and excellence, and excellence is not there, you are, you are just wasting your time. You are wasting your time. It's not going to work. Excellence is arguably the most obvious way of spotting a life of dominion. Why? You can't hide it. You can't. Excellence is not an event. It's a lifestyle of replicating results that stand out and stand the test of time. That's what excellence is. People who produce it, they always do something extra. They always go the extra mile. They always put in the extra effort. Dominion is not something that will fall to you. Mm-mm. There is the aspect of diligence to produce it. And that's where excellence comes in. Well, because without diligence, there will be no excellence. Without consistency, there will be no excellence. It's not just possible. This is the way things like this work. I remember reading from John C. Maxwell about a principle. He called it um, the 7520 five principle that is 75 20 and 5 75 25 principle and I, I really love what he said about living a life of excellence like that that is playing to your area of strength and that's what he said when he said you must devote 75 percent of your time so the area of your strengths, if you want to live a life of excellence, why time? Why not another resource? Yes, time is that mode in which other resources are either created or destroyed. Hear me well. I didn't read this from anywhere. I'm just telling you as it's coming. Time is that crucible, that mode where you produce or destroy other resources. And guess what? God gave everybody this resource called time. You will or you will not live a life of excellence depending on how you use time. I'm telling you. Time poverty is real and it's becoming more and more real to me as a person. So forgive me if I'm being too passionate about this. I realize that if only I could have more time per day instead of 24 hours God, give me more. Give me 48 hours per day. There is a lot more I can do. I can do for the kingdom. I can do for humanity. But no, God will not give me more than 24 hours per day. Like he will not give you more than 24 hours per day. So it's now up to you how you allocate it. There was a time in my life I used to waste time. Before I found purpose. Before I started understanding how to chase purpose. And looking back, I'm like, why did I waste so much time? Why was I ever in that state where I was not looking at the ceiling, counting the number of strands, and wiling time away? Not deploying it to chasing my purpose and putting all my best efforts where I'm strongest. And now, I've discovered it. I've discovered purpose. I've started chasing it. And time seems to be my greatest enemy. It's not enough. Many things I want to do, I can't do because time limits me per day. And it limits you. But now that we recognize that it's a limitation, 
What best can we do? It's optimization. How do I apportion it? Allocate it? So that's why John C. Maxwell was saying, he advises us, and this is not, thou says, thou says the Lord. No, no. It's thou says John Maxwell. That 75% of your time, if you want to live a life of excellence, devote it to the area of your strengths. Maximize it. Play to your strengths. Like there's no tomorrow. Pound it. Use your strengths the most. The areas of your grace and gifting. Put your best effort of time into it. Spend 75% of your time sharpening it, using it, deploying it. He said, 20% out of the remaining 25 Said, devote it to developing capacity in the areas that you need to grow. That is the areas where you need to improve. Put 20% of your time into it. So that book you need to read, that program you need to, to attend, that course you need to take, that person you need to go for counsel, that mentor you need to meet, whatever you need to do, that investment you need to do in yourself to become a better brand of you. Use 20% to do that. But there are areas that are innate to you. Areas that if you wake you up from sleep, you can do it without training. Those are areas of your gifts and calling and, and graces. Those are the areas of your strength. You say use your time sharpening those ones, developing those ones, and deploying your time in those areas. What do you do with the remaining 5%? I know we are good at math. So 75 goes to area of your strength. 20 goes to areas where you need to improve. Say the remaining five percent. Use it to do something, whatever you can do about your areas of. How do I put this? Your areas of congenital weakness. That is things that no matter what you do, you can't change. You know things like how you were born. You can't change it. Which family you were born into? You can't change it. Which nation you were born into? You can't change it. It doesn't matter. Go and collect another passport. Where you were born is where you were born. Who gave birth to you, your parents? You can't change it. There are fundamental things you cannot change. If you like, choose another parent. Say you disown your parents. It doesn't change the fact that they petted you. So you can't change it. So areas that you cannot do anything about. Say leave the remaining 5% to it. But focus 75 on the things that you do best. That you do better than many people. Focus your strengths there. And 20% use it to develop yourself along that area of strength. So that your strength can be galvanized. Do whatever you like with the rest. I'm, I'm recommending this to you actually. But in addition to that, I'm challenging you. When you pursue excellence, mediocrity must be your enemy. You cannot go in a journey of excellence and carry mediocrity in your back. That journey will not be a successful one. Accepting excuse, you know, just tolerating mediocrity, it will not help a life of excellence. Again, just to recap, we have said that as it is in heaven, we can walk in dominion on earth. And we have enunciated the principles, we have taught extensively these principles. And today, we have given us four keys. If you want to live, a life of dominion in the corner pieces of the foundation of that life, these four things must be there. Number one, we said guiding principles. It's in God. It must be you. As it is in heaven, so must it be on earth if you want to walk in dominion. Number two, we said thoughtfulness. It's in God. It must be you. Number three, we said order. It's in God. It must be in you. And last but not the least, we say excellence is in God. It must be in you. Bible says, how excellent is your name, O Lord. It wasn't speaking about the spelling of his name. It's speaking about the character. When you hear name, the character, the personality of God speaks about excellence. It exudes excellence. I pray that indeed as it is in heaven, so will it be in our lives. But there is work to do, brethren. It will not fall on you. There is work to do. Many of us have capacity, but we have locked that capacity. I do. You are cheating us. You are not only cheating yourself, you are cheating us. Because if you arise, do you know how many people will arise? Just because you rose. Think of them. And live your life to the fullest. 
if God said, I created you to have dominion, if Christ came to restore dominion to you, and you leave that value on the table without picking it up, you have not only cheated yourself, you have cheated the rest of humanity. I pray that indeed, you will be challenged to rise and walk in this seven-dimensional dominion because it's possible. It's possible. I want to raise just one prayer. You're going to pray for yourself. I say, Lord, I will not live my life in obscurity. I refuse to live a life of obscurity. This light must shine. I must express dominion in this life. Not once. It must become how I will be remembered. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Begin to pray. If you want a life of dominion, you can begin to do something about it. And the first thing to do is to start to pray about it. As you pray about it, you will challenge yourself in the place of prayer. God will drop in your heart what you need to do, practical actions to begin to walk in it. It will begin. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. I don't know about you. I refuse to live a life of obscurity. I refuse to live a life of servitude. I have been created and given dominion. I will live and express dominion in every facet of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will express dominion. I will not be put under. I will express dominion like Christ as it is in heaven. I will express dominion in this life. I will reign as kings and priests. I activate dominion in my office as priests. I pray this morning. I walk in dominion. I take what Christ has given me. I walk in it. Not only today, I walk in it daily. Not only in one aspect, in every aspect that I've been called to live. I shine the light. I live a life of dominion. Mastery, conquest, and prominence will describe my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Put your hands together for Jesus. Keep clapping. Give glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. I trust that you have been blessed in this series. And I know indeed that we will not only be hearers, that we shall be doers. And then our results will speak. In the name of Jesus Christ. I invite you to join us next week as we begin another series. Listen to the announcements that will come after this and be a blessing to someone. Don't just listen. Please share this message and God will bless you as you do so. See you next week by His grace. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dauda Street off Eric Mosulere, Lagos. God bless you.